Our first reading from God's word today is taken from the 148th Psalm, the first 13 verses. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise, praise him, his angels. Praise him, all his host. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, your highest heavens and your waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth. You see monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command. Mountains and all hills, fruit and trees, all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted, his glory is above the earth and heaven. The word of the Lord. We're going to continue in the 10th chapter of Luke's Gospel this morning. Last week, if you recall, from your uh, assiduous re-watching of the YouTube, still can still do, we spent time with the Good Samaritan story, uh, where there was a surprise ending, at least for those who'd never heard it before. Certainly in the first century, it was surprising that a Samaritan would stop to help a man in dire need. Today, we come to another surprise story in the 10th chapter of Luke's Gospel. This, the story of Martha and Mary and the visit to their house by Jesus himself. Listen now for what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. The word of the Lord. Let's pray together. As this familiar story to many of us arrives at our feet, at our doorstep in the sanctuary once again, O oh Lord, may our meditations together upon your word to us this day, for this time in this moment, be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. If we look at this short uh, pericope, this passage, pericope is a fancy student loan seminary word uh, for a unit within the scripture. 
I'd just like to focus with you, at least to start, on just three important phrases which jumped out to me. And I'm going to work backward, uh, starting at the end of this passage, this pericope, with this phrase... Only one thing is needed, the better part, which will not be taken away from her. And then, working toward the front of the passage, you get this question that I get a lot as a parent of two children. Don't you care that she's making me or he's making me do all the work? And then finally, right at the start of our passage this morning, But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. R. Alan Culpepper, one of the preeminent Lucan scholars, scholars, studiers of the Gospel of Luke, says that this story of Mary and Martha is meant to follow up thematically on the parable of the seeds, the sower, the parable of the sower who spread seeds as he was walking along, first on the path, then on the rock, and then amongst thorns, and finally amongst good soil. We're supposed to be good soil to receive the word of God and let it grow in our hearts and in our lives. But Culpepper points out that in this case, Martha's distraction really is a lot like the seed that was sown amongst the thorns, right? The ones who, the the thorns which choke Uh, out the life which could be growing. Uh, Luke says that there are those who hear the word, but they go on their way, and they aren't really able to let it grow in their lives. They are choked, preoccupied, distracted by all the cares and the pleasantries and the riches of life. Martha is so distracted by all that's going on in her mind, all the things she needs to do to be a hospitable hostess, all the things she thinks both she and her sister should be doing for Jesus, her guest, who I assume she expects to sit out there alone in the living room by himself, that she complains to Jesus. I love this sort of line here, not only because it reminds me of the messages I hear from my kids, but really more importantly because, like Martha, all of us like to tell God what to do in our lives. We like to evaluate our life on our own terms, and when things don't work out, we get frustrated, we get mad, we get angry, and we keep trying to tell God, look, you need to get back on track with me, Lord, and help me do the things I want to do the way I want to do them. It reminds me of a story that my grandfather, Rudolf Knuth, from South Dakota, but originally his family is from Denmark, used to tell... It's an old story, sort of pretty common amongst Scandinavian types. The story is about Jens and Arne, who decide to go ice fishing. They really want to go ice fishing. It's one of their favorite things to do, but it's an extremely and especially cold and wintry day there in South Dakota. I remember one time visiting my mom's relatives. We sledded off the roof onto the ground. That's how tall the snow was that day, 1969, I think it was. So, big stormy winter day in South Dakota, and Jens and Arnie want to go ice fishing, and they decide to find a nice spot that doesn't have too much wind or snow. So they cut a hole in the ice, and they 
put their little camp around the ice hole, and then they stick their poles through the hole, and just as they do that and get settled down to some good fishing, a loud voice boomed from above. There are no fish here. Jens and Arnie look around, look at each other. They don't really know where the voice came from. They look up. They don't see anyone. Yen says, I know there are fish in here. We just need to find a better spot. So they pull all their gear out of this hole. They move a little bit farther away. They dig another hole. They stick their poles in again with great hopes of fresh walleye. And once again, a voice boomed from above. There are no fish here. Finally, Arnie says, I know there are fish in here. We just have to find another better spot. So once again, they cut a hole and they keep looking for a better spot. They dig that third hole. They sit down and finally, last third time, a loud voice booms from above. There are no fish here. Jens and Arnie look at each other. They're totally perplexed. They look up again towards the sky. They see nothing. This time, Jens calls out, God in heaven, is that you? And the voice responds, no, this is the skating rink manager. There are no fish here. We tend to presume to tell God how to do what we'd like God to do. Our focus is so much on ourselves. Jesus says to Martha, and that's really the crux of this text this morning, this conversation between Martha and Jesus. Mary is there listening. She kind of is a foil for her sister. The real drama, the real meat of this short text is the conversation that Martha has with Jesus. After Martha, after she complains to him about her sister not doing what she should be doing, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, in a repetitive use of her name, which really amounts to a lament or even a mild rebuke. You are fixated on all the things that you should be doing. You are distracted. You've lost focus on the one thing that matters in your life. Culpepper, a Lucan scholar, says that Martha's focus on order has thrown her life into disorder because she's missing the one thing that matters. When what orders our lives is our focus on the love of God and on what that love compels, that gives us true order, balance, perspective, peace. If we keep our eyes on the prize, if we seek first the kingdom of God, if we allow, as Mary is doing today, by breaking tradition, risking getting her sister mad at you, breaking a very strong cultural compulsion and requirement as a woman in particular in the first century to extend hospitality to a male guest, if we're willing to do that, then we are going to find that treasure beyond value. Only one thing is needed, Jesus says to Martha, and Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen the better over the good in this case. Martha is not a criminal. Martha is not a sinner in this story. Martha is doing all the things she should be doing, all the things their mother told her that they should do, all the things that society had inculcated into her life. She socialized to start bustling around, start preparing, start getting everything ready, start making things clean, making things delicious, making her guest feel welcome. And by doing that, she allows 
the better to slip away from her because she's focused on the good. Now, this makes me think of uh, a phrase that my high school math teacher warned me about as I got near the end of what I thought was a pretty successful high school career in math, and it was until the very end when we stopped using numbers. Mrs. Ione B. Orr, that was her name, uh, used to say, don't let the perfect Greg become the enemy of the good. Have you heard that phrase? Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. If you're so fixated at everything being completely right, you can let things kind of get out of hand. Just sometimes you just have to let, just do the best work you can, show your work in math, and then let it, let it, let the chips fall where they may. I didn't get it at first, but then when I got to college and there were absolutely no numbers as we were doing differential equations, rotating graphs around axes, finding areas between curves, I decided to give up being an engineer or a pre-med and start doing creative writing in history because I couldn't figure this out. I needed to get the number right, which is what I was pretty good at in sort of what it turned out to be middle-aged, middle sort of level math. Don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Don't be so fixated on getting everything perfectly that you forget all the good things that are coming out of the work that you are doing. And there's a corollary that I would like to just lift up for us this morning as we look at this passage, and that is don't confuse the good with the better. I think that's the message in this story about Mary and Martha in the 10th chapter of Luke today. And to get at that message, I want to just make draw your attention to a pretty amazing quote by a pretty amazing thinker and theologian, a Roman Catholic by the name of Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R. He's a Catholic priest, but also one of the most compelling and popular thinkers and writers in, on Christianity and our, in the spiritual life today. Richard Rohr said, Christianity is a way of being in the world that is simple, nonviolent, and loving. However, we made it into an established religion and all that goes with that and avoided the change in our way of being. So, Rohr says, one could be warlike, greedy, racist, selfish, and vain in most of Christian history and still believe that Jesus is one's personal Lord and Savior. But the world has no time for such silliness anymore. The suffering on earth is too great. The church has been for too long and too often a bunch of Marthas. There's nothing wrong with Marthas. We get a lot of things done. But if we're not focused on the better part, as Mary was, on allowing Jesus to tell us what and where our life should be, rather than telling him we let a lot of the good go by. Mary takes a great risk by letting Jesus teach her and guide her by sitting there. She risks the wrath of her sister. She risks uh, sort of being seen as a pariah in society, as a woman who would do such a thing, not extend hospitality to a traveling visitor. While Martha does what is expected externally and internally within her, she shows hospitality. She does all that she should be doing. Martha is us. She chooses the good, while her sister Mary chooses the better. 
we allow ourselves to get caught up in so much, so much that we can tell ourselves we should be doing, that we should be doing to live a good life, whatever that is, to be a good citizen, to be a good employee, to be good parents, to be good spouses. We fill ourselves and our time and our schedules up with so much that we don't leave much space or much time or much energy for the thing that is most needful, for the better part. Again, this story happens right after the Good Samaritan story where we have another unlikely hero presented to us. First, it's the Samaritan, this unclean sinner that Jesus uses the example of showing God's love to neighbor, loving neighbor as ourself. In this part of the Gospel of Luke, especially the 10th chapter, we're reminded again and again, explicitly and here again implicitly, that there are just two rules in life. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This American story tells us how to love our neighbor. This story, with Mary as our example, shows us how to choose the better part, which usually means we're going to have to break with some kind of cultural pressure, some kind of expectation from others who want us, as we often do, want for ourselves to live what's supposed to be a good life, which can sometimes cause us to miss out on God. I like to play old songs for my son, Will, who is a singer and a music lover, and I love the fact that he loves old songs. One of the songs I showed him recently, had him listen to recently, is by Harry Chapin, Cats in the Cradle. If you're a certain age, you know that song. Uh, it's about a father who is so busy providing for his family, he doesn't really have a meaningful relationship with his son. His son, who is a small child, longs to spend time with his daddy. One of the verses goes like this. You can with me if you want. My son turned 10 just the other day. He said, thanks for the ball, Dad. Come on, let's play. Can you teach me to throw? I said, not today. I've got a lot to do. He said, that's okay. And, and he, as he walked away, his smile never dimmed. And I said, and he said, I'm going to be like him. Yeah, you know I'm going to be like him. And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon, the little boy blue and the man in the moon. When you coming home, Dad, I don't know when, but we'll get together then. You know we'll have a good time then. Of course, at the end of the song, the father realizes, as his now adult son doesn't have any time for him, that they really don't have that loving relationship and that his son has grown up, as he says, just like, my, just like me. My boy was just like me. We don't have to confuse the good with the better. We can keep perspective. We can keep choosing the better over the good so that we have that loving relationship with God that puts everything else into perspective and makes all the good that much better, I think. And I'll end by this, with a story from the humorist, one of my favorite columnists, the late Irma Bombeck, who also wrote many books. My favorite title of one of her books is, If Life is a Bowl of Cherries, What Am I Doing Here in the Pits? Those of us who remember Irma Bombeck's humor and wit aren't surprised by that title. But in one of her stories, she tells about two moments in her husband's life. And she said, there was a time when the children were growing up that my husband used to go and look at the backyard, surveying the muddy patches where the lawn should be, where the kids were always playing and causing the grass to be killed. He would wonder, will the grass ever come back? 
And then, Bombeck says, there was a time when the children were grown and gone, and her, my husband went out and looked at the beautiful green lawn, immaculate from lack of use, and wondered, will the children ever come back? That's the issue at stake in this text from Mary and Martha. May we be blessed enough with the Spirit of God to choose the better part. May Christ's grace not just overwhelm us, but also inspire us to take that risk and to make that choice. Amen.